Welcome, everybody, to Draft Politics, episode 93, I think. Uh, I'm Steve, and with me here, as always... Happy Inauguration Day, Steve. It's EJ. It's Inauguration Day. That's true. It is Inauguration Day here in Chicago. It's big news. For only the second time in two terms, we've got a completely different mayor. Fantastic. You but know, we'll get into that. Yeah, we'll get into that later. I'm like, I was about to dive down that rabbit hole. Like, no, 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 no. Pull it back. Pull it back. We still got national to cover, and there's things we to do. talk about. We do. We're here at Old Irving Brewery today, which is a place we know and love here on Montrose Ave. Yeah. Um, I don't think we did. It's like a little off of our beaten path, but not that far. Like, right. it's like we don't, we, we, we come here regularly, but but it's been a while. So, yeah, get well, back here. and it's in, a, it's in a strange spot. I'll tell you that one of my favorite things about OIB, other than the fact that during the pandemic they were doing a great, like, pickup outside service, it was amazing. But it's, it's right next to the Blue Line stop at Montrose. So. Let's say I fly home from someplace. <laughs> Let's say you do. <laughs> and traffic is bad on the Kennedy because the Kennedy is a mess. Yes. So maybe I take the blue line to Montrose and I just walk over here. Maybe I meet my wife here. She picks me up and we have a beer before we go home. Maybe. Or maybe I just come in here and have a beer and call my Lyft to pick me up from here. Yeah, I used to do a commute from uh, out by the airport uh, over to Albany Park, actually. Yeah. And it was take the blue line to the Montrose bus. And by golly, if there had been a brewery here when I was doing that, I'm not sure I'd have made it home as often as I did. I, but I, I mean, there it is. <laughs> but I would have been much less frustrated by the bus not showing up on time. I will I, tell you that. But yeah, like, no. I don't trust the bus. Guess, I guess I'll just have to go to the brewery instead. Wah, wah. I, uh, yeah, I don't make the rules. Don't make the rules. Let's get into what's happened. So it's been a little while. Um, but interestingly... I think most of the cool things or things to talk about that have happened have happened in the last, like, 10 days or so. I mean, since uh, Old Man Gets New Hat in England. Yes. That's, that's oh, not yes, in our yes. rundown. No, no. Town, but Old Man Got New Hat in England. Through now, there have been a ton of things that have happened. Um, and some good callbacks. So in our last episode, we were talking about Diane Feinstein. Uh, quiet quitting. She uh, had not really been around for a long time, but she showed up. I guess, as far as as far as we know, I don't know if she knows, but uh, I mean, did you? So she's back in the Capitol, uh, having been convalescing at home, recovering from shingles. Um, she was not looking healthy. I would not imagine so. No, not not looking too good. No. The first Judiciary Committee meeting that she was uh, supposed to be at, which has been the big deal, right? Because, you know, really people haven't been able to get through judicial picks yeah. without her there. She was 90 minutes late. Yeah. And not, again, it wasn't clear she knew where she was. Yeah. Um, yeah, and the challenge, of course, is that, you know, even if she was to step down... You know, they would still have to put somebody else in the Judiciary Committee to replace her, and the Republicans would almost certainly block that. So you now have to get past the uh, filibuster. Right. Because and the only reason you got people on the committees in the first place was because it's just kind of a hassle to filibuster from, like, days, you know, moment zero of the Senate. Like, right. well, we'll let, let people go to the committee. We'll let but, you do the organizing rules. Right. Because that's what it is, right? right? So you set the rules for the Senate. 
you do the organizing rules. That's where we're at. You have to change those to replace anybody. Hey, but she's back, and um, yeah, I, I wish her good attendance. Right. Yes, I want her to pass a bunch of judges and then and then go gently into that good night. I guess I uh, don't know. I mean, um, yeah, yeah. So yeah. that's that. <laughs> uh, do we have anything that is bringing us? Terror and anxiety right now in our in our, in our mean, legislator. I mean, legislator, uh, just about everything. But specifically, I think the return of the fiscal cliff. Ah, uh, yes, yes, yes. We're yes. we're back to the. Ah, do we want to pay the bills or not pay the bills? Yeah, like we've already we already wrote the checks. Just yeah. matter, like, well, do we want to keep paying? Like, ah, uh, it could just not. Maybe what, what could maybe possibly not. go wrong? Exactly. Um, so yeah, so we're approaching the debts. Now, Everybody's favorite thing, yeah. the debt ceiling limit. Now, one of the things that's interesting about this is originally it was supposed to be like sometime in like October that we were hitting the cliff, but then like the tax receipts that were lower than they were expecting in the first quarter, so that moved the cliff up quite a bit. Because once you're into that period of emergency measures, which we've been in since yeah. January, it's a lot of like shuffling for money from an account to pay to this account, and you yeah, know, yeah. it makes it a little more challenging. And so, sometime in early June, uh, the cliff hits. We don't know exactly when. It just depends on when the money comes in and when the checks are due. And so, what to say about that? Other than both other than sides are playing. It's wait, super don't, wait. Continue your thought. I want to hear I what you're about to say. say. Both sides playing some chicken here. Well, yeah, it's a dumb thing, right? It's a dumb thing. In, it, 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 during the Trump administration, yeah. there was not a single like hostage situation with the debt limit during the Republican or Democratic Congress. Just go, oh, yeah, just always. Yeah, Let's cut some it. taxes. Let's run some debt. It's fine. Yeah, it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. And now all of a sudden, of course, it's a thing again. We're being held hostage by McCarthy and his clown show of a caucus. Yeah. Ooh, clown show caucus. I think that'll stick. Yeah. Yeah. I like it. So, you know, they've got to propose something. And so that, you know, the White House rightly so said, if you want to talk about this stuff, we're happy to talk about it, but you need to propose a budget and uh, send us a clean bill. Yeah. That just says we're going to increase the debt limit and anything, anything you want has got to be in a budget bill. Yeah. And we got nothing from the Republicans, surprise, surprise, until about a week and a half ago. And what we did get was, let's just cut money from veterans' affairs. Let's yeah. take money from veterans because... Yeah, yeah. It's... <laughs> you know, it's, it's... The thing that's so frustrating about this is, like, the, the, the fiscal, like, the, the, the debt ceiling... It's, it's interesting to see the history of this because yeah. it's like it used to be that every time we had a budget pass and we needed to borrow more money, there was a separate vote to say, all right, well, now we need to increase the debt. You know, the debt yeah. they would approve that. And then you're like, well, this is stupid to have to do this every single time. And it became an issue during World War One where we were spending a lot of money and having to run up a lot of debt. Yeah. So like, OK, well, we're just going to set this, you know, every so often we're going to vote in a new limit, but we're going to keep voting in the new limit. Keep in mind that. All of that predates, like, 
you know, we've gone off the gold standard since then. Like, the entire <laughs> way we understand the way the economy works is radically different from the way it was then. Yet we're still doing this stupid thing of, like... I'm a bimetallist well, still, though. What's that? I'm still a bimetallist, but that's fine. Okay, okay. <laughs> but it's, like, it, it, it's it's... It's dumb, and, and we should just get rid of the, the, this, this suicide pact we have over the economy. Uh, and maybe that'll happen. Maybe it'll happen. We've, you know, uh, the White House has uh, talked about the 14th Amendment, at least. Um, you know, they haven't said they're going to use it, but they've at least, you know, been looking into it, which is a logical yeah, way so, to get out of this. So talk to me about the 14th Amendment. I'm, this was not one that uh, I, I knew in detail. Yeah. Um, yeah, coming so into this discussion. It's interesting because the 14th Amendment is like kind of all the things we felt like we needed to have post uh, Civil War. And so that's, you know, you know, hey, you know, establishing, you know, right to vote and all those things that we yeah. thought would be good. And uh, one of those things is talking about the validity of the, pol- the public debt. And so the official phrase is validity of the public debt of the United States authorized by law, including debts incurred for payment of pensions and bounties for services in suppressing insurrection or rebellion shall not be questioned. Now, it seems odd, like insurrection or rebellion seems really specific because this was done just after the Civil War. And so what they were doing was setting it up so that in case the South got, you know, control of Congress at that time, that they wouldn't be able to sort of decide, well, we're not going to pay those debts that the North incurred or anything like that. So this is saying mm, these, okay. these shall not be questioned. And so that's the history of it. Um, convenient for us in the modern world that we have that in the Constitution, and it doesn't say, but only after the Civil War or any weird thing right, like that. Right, because we are still paying for, uh, I mean, really the entire Department of Justice budget should be covered under the... <clears throat> suppressing insurrection or rebellion right. at this point. Right, right. Jack Smith, that's what he's doing. Yeah. And the thing is, if we if we go down that road, then we're in very uncharted territory. And so almost certainly the markets are going to freak out because that's uncertain what's going to happen with that. Um, right. Ultimately, what we can expect will happen is there would be lawsuits over it. Sure. Which would get sent to the Supreme Court. Now, would Clarence Thomas's personal financier be cool with tanking the economy? I'm going to guess no, but who knows? It's a really interesting position. Depends know. on what he shorted that day, I suppose. Yeah, exactly. Well, he, I'm sure he's going to plan his shorts appropriately. But, but it's, a, it's a really interesting position, I think, that the Republicans have taken just generally. You know, the pro-business Republicans now taking the we will happily go into recession if we think it wins us the presidency next year. Right? Like, and that's, we don't care who we hurt. Yeah. That's, that's sort of the, the writ large. Yeah. I'm not talking about individual Florida gu- gubernatorial Republicans who just want to screw their own economy. Right. I'm talking about, like, writ large. Yeah. They're like, ah. yeah. And, and, and Trump, and during his town hall, we'll get to that in a moment, uh, basically signed off on, hey, go ahead and crash the economy. You know, go ahead and, you know. And... You know, I think it may very well be correct that if they do that, that Biden will somehow pay the blame for that, even if it's Republicans who ultimately crash it. But who knows? And, who and knows? I mean, they may make that bet and win or lose. But right. ultimately, we will all suffer in the meantime if that is the case. Yeah, exactly. Because, I mean, they, they tried to make the economy a big deal during the midterms and it didn't work out for them. Yeah. 
You know, like gas prices were high then and like inflation was super high, but inflation's been going down. Yeah. Well, inflation's um, not even really a thing at this point, but that's a separate conversation. I mean, there is a conversation about the fact that everything is a lot more expensive than, than it, it used was. to be. Yes, but, um, but it's not going up more now. Uh, no, no. The profiteering has already happened. Yes. So, <laughs> plus, you know, and things like, you know, gas prices are down, so they've got to find some kitchen table issue to talk about. Right. Because all of the anti-woke issues are losers. And, they, and, and there's only so many times you can try to dig up, uh, you know, the dick pics of the president's son. So. Right, right. And that is actually a great, a great segue. We're getting good at these segue things. Yeah, it's a great segue to the rest of what that clown show caucus yes. is doing, right? So they, uh, they've got the House Oversight Committee who are like, we are going to investigate the Biden family of corruption where they've inflated the price of uh, refrigerators and appliances that they've bought for their rental properties and then lied about that on the tax. No, no, that's, that's a different family. Yeah, yeah. Um, this is the, the Chinese have been funneling money through a bunch of bank accounts. And it's great. They released this 36-page memorandum about all of the criminal activity. Yes. All of the, and here's all the proof we have. And it all comes from a whistleblower who knows a witness, who knows all of the individual people. Cool. Excellent. Good sourcing. Good source. Can't wait to meet that witness. Can't wait to meet that witness. So they've got this press con- conference, and Gosar gets up there, and he's like, well, oh, look at all this clear criminal. Everybody would say that this is absolutely criminal activity. And it was deucey. Like a Fox News guy's like, so there's proof here, right? Well, not per se. It's kind of. <laughs> and then like, oh, so there's this whistleblower, right? Who's seen everything. No, they've got to know another guy. Right. All right. But you know where those people are? No, we have it's, no idea where they are. This is all the way down, people. There's yeah, that, uh, but we can't find any of them. And you're just like, holy Holy shit, what are they doing with their time? They just asked ChatGPT why they is just Bart Biden a criminal. And then it was just like, ah. I think that that's right. I, I would bet that if we took that whole thing and stuffed it into one of those AI detectors, detectors we get, yeah, good. it would just blow oh, definitely. It would blow up. It would blow well, up. Well, you know, interesting. Are the Republicans technically savvy enough to use that, though? No, but they're paying a consultant to do it. Who oh, knows that point. they could do it for them? Oh, yeah, yeah. All right. Good point. And they're not going to read it anyhow, no, really. They're exactly. just going to be like, in yeah, the my, Republican in, Party has given a million dollars to... State yeah. and, you know, yeah. blah, blah, blah. They've given a million dollars to cyber ninjas. Yeah. Trust me. They're That's not true. checking anything. That's true. They're not checking anything. You know, you know how to use ChatGPT? Cyber ninjas. <laughs> That's who. <laughs> Fucking cyber so ninjas. So we've got that oversight committee. They were like, oh, yeah, yeah, look at all this bad stuff. And it's not that bad. Yeah. Do you need another beer? Uh, yes. Yes, I do. And then they've got the weaponization of the Justice Department Committee. Remember, this is the one oh, yes. who uh, subpoenaed former... I love how we're having more conversations about the weaponization of a, of a department rather than, you know, weapons. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> We have actual, like, weapon problems in this country. You know that, right? Oh, no, no, no. No, no, no. We 
We don't talk about weapons. Yeah. It's like Bruno. Guns are Bruno. Right. Right. So they, uh, they subpoenaed, Jim Jordan subpoenaed Mark Pomerantz, who's a former prosecutor in the Southern District of New York, um, uh, was part of the prosecutorial team that was originally looking into crimes by one Donald J. Trump. And after the district attorney, who's an elected position, uh, changed over, Pomerantz left sort of in a huff that they hadn't brought the charges and wrote a book called The People v. Donald J. Trump. Whatever. Right. So Jordan was wanted to subpoena him to show how things were so biased and all of these things. And there was a back and forth. There was a lawsuit to, to quash that subpoena. And in the end, that that lawsuit got to a Trump-appointed judge who said, no, 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 there's a legislative process here. But, you know, we can make some ground rules about what you can and can't ask. And you can have some objections during the, the proceedings. So evidently, he was there for six hours and pleaded the fifth or other privilege. 5.75 <laughs> of those yeah. six hours. Like, uh, So again, a waste of time. And I like when you see like the reporting that says, a visibly frustrated Jim Jordan. Go. Oh. That's my second favorite Jim Jordan. <laughs> Other than a clearly drowning Jim Jordan. <laughs> Would be a little better. I recently beheaded Jim Jordan. Like. <laughs> I would have taken neutered, but that's also fine. <laughs> Anyhow. Uh, so, so that's clown show caucus. That's clown shows. Uh, well, and, and there it is. Like, you know, so I suppose it follows. We had an election circus, then we have a clown show. It all, it's I, all. Well, there it is, right? And and what are they going to do? What should they be working on? Things like immigration, right? Because the Title Forty Two. Yeah, Title Forty Two has expired. now expired. Yeah. So then, and and this is the rule that they were using to control. Uh, asylum seekers coming into the country and it was all basically like well because of covid because of public health concerns and this was all stuff that came up under trump uh the biden administration tried to move away from it a court said you have to keep doing it they so but that's now expired but now well, well and the funny thing is they're like okay well can we extend it a little while and then it's like no 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 you can't extend it so the yeah. courts ruled in opposite directions yeah, of course making no sense here because no, they're no, just no. it's it has nothing to do with law it's just being arbitrary um so Title 42 is gone. Like, okay, fine. So what's, what's been replaced? And, and what's interesting is that there was a, a strong decline in border crossings after 42 expired, which doesn't really make sense. Yeah, it doesn't make sense. But here's what happened is they're like, okay, well, here's the new policy. The new policy is there's an app. Like, oh, mother Ah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and so this app, which has, runs on a phone... Sure. Which, of course, means you have to have a phone that is capable of running said app, which you may or may not have, especially if you're a, uh, a, a asylum seeker fleeing from Guatemala you know, wherever you are yeah. originally from. Um, and kind of like, remember, remember, let me put you back into time here a little bit. Remember <laughs> trying to get a vaccine <laughs> appointment? I do remember that. Uh, and what a pain in the ass it was. And, like, you tried to get in. And, like, oh, there are no appointments. Well, that's basically what they got to do now because there's only so many appointments to get your yeah. asylum case heard. And so, uh, and this is just a preliminary hearing, I'm assuming. But basically, it's like, sure. okay, there's 100 slots today. Here's those 100 slots. Once they fill up, 
guess you get the app tomorrow. And cool. then trying to increase that to a thousand, but it, it definitely felt like a little thing. Like, you know, you get the Facebook Messenger message from somebody you haven't spoken to in like ten years. Like, you think it was my orcas like sending somebody a message? Hey, man, you, you're in IT, right? I've got a great idea for an app. Oh yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. I, I some systems integrator made a bunch of money building that app, um, and. And it doesn't, I mean, I, I, here's part of my frustration with this, is like, given the limited resources you have, like a certain amount of it makes sense. Like, okay, you only have so many uh, pe- resources available. Yeah. Let's find a way to schedule those resources. Like, okay, fine. But what should have happened was having more of those resources. And that's what they're trying to do. So the administration has said, we're trying to get to the point where we can have a thousand slots a day. Right. That's our new target. Yeah. Um, and that's a reasonable target. Now, again, I mean, I don't, I honestly don't know if it's a reason. I don't well, know like, I don't, what, the, yeah. what the numbers are coming in. But, but, I mean, that's the thing. Is like these are the things that, like, like I'm frustrated because I feel like I, part of me thinks the, the administration has the right intentions. But I think they're also struggling with this. But Congress hasn't provided us the resources. And the, and the law hasn't really been written to no. provide to provide for any of this. And also, politically, they're trying to appeal to a segment of middle-of-the-road voters who are like, well, I voted for Trump the first time, but I'd vote for Biden, except that, you know, but they're also kind of racist and kind of against the immigration from Mexico, and, you know, and this isn't immigration from Mexico, but, it, it you know. Yeah, yeah. I mean. The southern border. The southern border. I'm still they, worried they about the hockey players coming wall, into the north. But they're like, but Trump wasn't doing a very good job of building a wall. Like yeah. these are the people that they're kind of like trying to dance around, and it's just, and it's and it's it's inhumane to I, people who have, you know, are but are in a terrible position. Yeah, but there's also absolutely no good answer, right? I mean, the good all of the good answers require long term thinking and investing in real solutions, like economic investment in the countries where all of this has been going on, helping them to build, you know, basically helping them to build the infrastructure and resources and everything to make those countries, put them in a better position so people don't feel like they have to come to the United States to get out of it. Um, I mean, honestly, it's it's funny because I, as I'm saying this, I'm thinking like, how much does this sound like what we do in Chicago in terms of like, well, yeah. everything's fine as long as, you know, all of the, the, the murder and violence is contained in this one part of the city. But when it spreads beyond that, like, no, 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 it's all a problem. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, and, and is the solution investment or enforcement, right? Like, and, that's the and same question it's always question investment and it's never enforcement, but. But the opposite is always what happens because there's money to be made well, in enforcement. I mean, yeah, there's money to be made in enforcement. And also it's like, it, it, it feels it's an easier, quicker solution, even if it's wrong and ineffective. Yeah, that's true. It's like, yeah. oh, well, there's, you know, the skulls are being cracked on my behalf. And so, therefore, I feel like something's being done as opposed to, you know, a bunch of, you know, programs that are helping people in ways that are somewhat imperceptible to you. Right. Right, 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 right. So. <sighs> <sighs> Look. Yeah. I think it's really important. We shift away from that a little bit. We know there's not going to be a quick answer. Um, nobody's going to be happy with any of the solutions that come out of 
well, know, I mean, I just decree like, by our, our our government as it is right now is not in a position to come up with good solutions to any of this. That's true. Two stars. Because as long as like half of the people are like, you know, they shouldn't be here in the first place, and we want them all right. dead, like. I, but, and, but that's only because we haven't put our faith in interstellar traveler and prognosticator George Santos. That's true. Who was solely responsible for the negotiation of the uh, Kittering Accords uh, between the Klingon Empire and Starfleet, yes. as we know, in the future. But he's come back to help us. Right. Right. I mean, yes. I saw that on his resume. Yes. George and, Santos. And as far as I know, that's 100% true. 100% true. 100% true. But strangely, he's clearly ahead of his time because the Department of Justice has uh, found it important to charge him with 13 felony counts. You know, and it's funny as I look over this, like, like one of them is fraudulent political campaign contribution solicitation. I'm like... How many how many counts will Trump be charged with eventually? Because I feel like it's exactly the same kinds I mean, of things. Well, like, well, and did you read about what he did? Not in detail. Okay, no. so he started an LLC essentially. Yeah. Just it just goes, you know, goes on to DelawareCompanies.net, pays his two hundred dollars, starts right. a company. Right, like then, you do. He goes out, he blasts out emails, and he talks to people, and he says, donate to this organization. It is a, it's a tax-exempt political organization. <laughs> okay. So it is an LLC, not a 501c3, which is what would be tax-exempt. Or a 504c3. Like not even a 501c4. Not there, even a 501 It's just an LLC. It's, it's just an LLC. Just an LLC. <laughs> and he's just taking the money and buying himself clothes, et cetera, et cetera. And like... It's like, I don't know how anybody figured out a scheme here. Like, dude, was so lazy. Yeah. So, yeah. so lazy. I mean, everything about everything he's done is lazy as f***. Well, and the thing that fascinates me about it is for how lazy he is about all this stuff, like, he's, he did not manage, like, nobody in the Republican primary caught him. Nobody in the Democrat, in, in the New York Democratic Party, caught him. Like it all came out afterwards. Like, <laughs> so I mean, yeah, he's lazy, but on some level, you got to be like, yeah, but he didn't really need to spend the effort. I, yeah, I mean, like, how did okay, how he did spend it work? slightly more effort to avoid being indicted? But like at the same time, when he was like applying for unemployment benefits through the Heroes Act, you know, like he's like saying, "I've made no money. You need to pay me this money, government." And then he's filling out these parallel forms that say, I made $5 million last right. year. Like, neither one is true. I, you know, <laughs> I, have this, I, have, I have, an, have an insight here. It's like, you know, Republicans are all concerned about, you know, people exploiting the system and taking money they don't deserve and whatever else. It's like, you know why they're concerned about that? Because they know other Republicans. Like, yeah. <laughs> I, I think that's what's going on here. It's like, like they like, George Santos, like, Oh, yeah, see, you don't want to be like that. Like, yeah, well, just don't vote for Republicans and it'll be problem solved. <laughs> I mean, I guess they know all the tricks. Maybe it's a little more complicated than that, but Jesus. <laughs> yeah. I guess, and speaking of Jesus, good segue. Maybe we should throw all the televangelists in there, too. <laughs> all right. So, you know, I, I have this real debate on our next section. So, you know, 
a bit of inside baseball for y'all. We don't just show up and start drinking. We sometimes write an outline of the things we're going to talk about ahead of time. No, we always do. We always write an outline. I think there's only one time where we really didn't do an outline. And I think it was right after Biden was... And we were just like, it was just like, we were just kind of like last minute, like, we didn't have time, like, fine, and we yeah. just rolled with it. But, and it was a perfectly uh, delightful show. Uh, and for us, You should anyway. go back and listen to it, whatever it was. <laughs> Whichever it was. So now, you know, here we are. I've got this thing, a section of the last time and this time, it's about all things the former guy. And I am really, I have, I, I am torn. I am, I am in a deep state of ennui, uh, yeah, unsurety about whether or not you should or should not talk about the former guy. All right. So here's the thing. Us talking about the former guy is not going to lead to him getting more votes. That's probably true. And or I mean, fewer votes. Or fewer votes if one is pedantic. The, pe- <laughs> the pedant vote is secure. I'm not <laughs> worried about that. Um, That's probably So true. I think at this point it is really a question of are we entertained? And if we are entertained, then I think it's worth talking about. But we don't have to go into all the details. We don't have to cover everything. Like That's what, true. What, what entertains you about the, the shit show that is the former guy well, this week? Yeah, I mean, I'll, I will tell you, um, E. Jean Carroll. Yes. Great fucking work. Um, Eugene Carroll. And wasn't it wasn't the the funding for that like was like somebody from like LinkedIn, LinkedIn like funded yeah, there the, was the, some, the lawyer like uh, yeah. like it, it it was a little murky to be honest who yeah. paid for that. Okay. But uh, nobody cares when it's Peter Thiel dropping billions of dollars to sue other people on his own behalf because he doesn't want to be outed as being gay even though he's gay. Um, and there's it, why he cares, I don't know. Um, but that's why he gave all that money to Hulk Hogan so he could sue Gawker. Correct. Anyway, this is not a Hulk Hogan story, surprisingly. Um, because all stories should be. Um, but E. Jean Carroll... Uh, <laughs> I almost went with the Macho Man Randy Savage response to that, and that would have been incorrect. Snap into a Slim Jim. That's right. So, <laughs> E. Jean Carroll uh, uh, accused the former guy of sexually assaulting her in a dressing room at Bergdorf's apartment store uh, in Manhattan decades ago. Yeah. Uh, And there was a a law passed a couple of years ago in New York that allowed people to file civil cases against attackers and abusers in sexual cases. Even if they they had lapsed in the in the statute of limitations, and she did that. So this case was one of two cases that are going working through the courts. Now, this was a case that was focused on two items. Yeah. One, did Donald J. Trump rape E. Jean Carroll in that department store? Two, did he later defame her by saying that it didn't happen and she's a fraud, et cetera, et cetera? Yeah. Um, in statements, and this is important, after he was out of office. So the jury had those two questions to answer. Nine people in that jury. 
Uh, had to be unanimous. The burden uh, of I, evidence is preponderance of evidence preponderance because of a it's, civil it's suit. Not, you can have a re- reasonable doubt, but if it says, yeah. I, I like the way I heard somebody describe it, 50-50 plus a feather yeah. on one side, that's all you need. Yeah. Um, you don't need to get over the, the yeah. filibuster. Right. right. There's no... Uh, the defense had no witnesses. Donald Trump did not show up. Their entire case was made on cross-examination of the the uh, Eugene Carroll's witnesses. Um, the jury, you know, interestingly, you know, there was some reporting about the jury. One of the jurors said he got all of his news from, like, right-wing podcasters. That's where he got all his news. And everybody was like, oh, boy, here we go. <laughs> yep. But they came back in three hours. Three hours after the case yeah. was done. Uh, unanimous verdict found that so, so I guess they had some options. This is the other thing about how severe the interaction was from rape to sexual assault to something more minor than that. Um, and they chose the middle ground there, Yeah, which is interesting. Uh, I, I read some reporting that they felt they couldn't justify the rape accusation because her testimony did not indicate that she could feel anything that could definitely be uh, a sexual appendage of his. So essentially, that's a that's a real fine <laughs> nuance here. <laughs> yeah. So. So that's, that's <laughs> or, or, talk about a Pyrrhic victory, right? <laughs> like small hands, everybody. Small yeah, hands. small hands. Uh, uh, you weren't you weren't convicted <sighs> of raping her because, right? Anyway, yeah. So yeah, and and this is the interesting thing now. Um, now that that is done, um, uh, the jury awarded five million dollars uh, to her across you know punitive and other damages. Um, I, and that's going to go to appeal, and that'll take a year. But her first case against him, defamation while he was president, can move forward. And every case around defamation, things he said about her, can move forward with the understanding that what she said her account of what happened in that dressing room is true. Yes. He can no the longer... The jury has signed off on Yeah, it. can no longer argue that, um, which is fascinating because he keeps talking shit about her, including on that CNN town hall. If you're watching us on YouTube, that's creepy because we're not recording this that way. But also, you'd see <laughs> me doing the air quotes. <laughs> on that town hall, he started by repeating those claims that he'd just been found were, you know, been found were defamatory against her. Did you watch that town hall? I was just going to ask, did you subject yourself to that? I did not. Um, I will say I watched parts of it. Yeah. Um, I did not want to, but I felt it was important to start watching it. And then I realized how off the rails it was. And how pointless it was. Yeah. 
Um, I don't know who the target audience was for that. Well, the thing is, CNN is fairly actively pivoting towards trying to take audience away from Fox News. Uh, they have a new new people in charge at CNN. Yeah, that's true. Um, they very clearly sold themselves out to get Trump on there. Oh, they, my God. They gave him some input on who was uh, commentating on the tr- on the town hall before yep. and after. Uh, the crowd was very heavily Trump supporters. And, like, Chris Christie noticed this. Um, I forget some other. Like, there's, like, multiple people who know the area who are like, yeah, those people are all Trump supporters and have been Trump supporters. Not like they're yeah. just, like, random Republican voters. No, no, it was a mega. Um, it was very, you know, so it was all very settled. Um, and it gets me to an important takeaway from that is that there is not a liberal cable news network. Like, it was barely arguable that there was a so decade MSNBC, ago. what do you... Uh, no, because... They, I mean, they are, they are at best a balanced organization. You have a large portion of their, uh, I mean, their morning program is Morning Joe, who is a former Republican, was yeah, in true. very close with Trump until, you know, they had a falling out. Um, their news coverage is fairly standard corporate media down the middle, both sides kind of stuff. And then they have a primetime lineup that involves some progressive, and, and, and I would say, progressive but not like super they're not like leftists right like it's not like very liberal yeah i mean the reality is there are no mainstream leftists well this and this and this, well regardless and, what the republicans well will mainstream tell you. left i suppose mainstream leftists would be sort of a contradiction innately but i don't know depends on how you're defining your mainstream, Let, let's but, say uh highly exposed left but like i mean you think about like the people who are, you know, I think about, like, all the podcasters I listen to, um, you know, that are, you know, all the bloggers, you know, yeah. from, you know, like, all these people who have a lot of strong, well-thought-out opinions about politics from a liberal, progressive perspective, and none of those are on TV. You have very centrist liberals, mm-hmm. and then you have people who are very firmly right-wing. Yeah. Well, do you think that the pull to the right wing from a party or a, a an organization like Fox News has moved the center so far to the right that even, you know, for the vast majority of people, like, the center is probably more to the right than people on the left would ever consider it? Well, I think it's, I think a lot of what's going on is just, it's who is the audience who watches cable news at this point? Yeah. And it's and it is an older demographic and and I think that that fundamentally is you know who are they trying to appeal to who are the advertisers trying to appeal to and so that is a lot of why it's shifted that way and that even when it is more more left it is not not really that left like I mean you <laughs> go back really I mean, go back to like you know back in the you know when we were going to the Iraq war and you know and Donahue and yeah. all that like I mean like it's not like, you know, there was a brief time where it was like MSNBC was like Rachel Maddow and Keith Olbermann and like all these like fairly strongly left voices that have uh, like kind Keith of, Olbermann, I, I'd like he was on ESPN. I mean, he's he's <laughs> very left, but very like 
bombastic and like his own thing. Sure. Like I'm not. I will listen. To, I listen to his podcast occasionally, and I'm like, he might be making that up. <laughs> I, but, he said the same thing about our podcast, though. Right. Well, at least he did it on iTunes. Rate yeah, us on exactly. iTunes. It's not even an iTunes. But he won't anymore. even rate us on iTunes. I mean, it's bullshit. Me, because it's on Apple Podcasts now, and he couldn't find iTunes anymore. Hard to say. He seems like a guy who's still, who's still playing with the click wheel pod. IPod, oh, yeah. Like. oh, yeah. But anyhow, so I, I really what I was trying to get at is, like, you know, there is not a lot of genuinely liberal media. It's on cable news, is pretty much non-existent. There are certainly bits and pieces, mm. but it's just not a thing anymore. Yeah, no, I think it's a fair point. I think it's a fair I mean, point. The kids are on TikTok. What are you going to do? The kids are on TikTok. So it was a shit show. It never should have happened. Um, I will say this about it. I think somebody, and, and I'm going to ask you a question after I say this. I think somebody should have re- reminded maybe the former guy that um, everything he says on air can and will be used against him in a court of law. Because he admitted to crimes on air at every possible opportunity. Yeah. Uh, taking classified documents, for instance. I had the right to take them. Well, that's just false. And, and, and your yeah. knowledge of, you know, felonious criminal activity does not mean, you know, just because you're, you don't, you claim to not know the law doesn't mean that it's okay to do it. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, I think that's a lot of, a lot of the way he's thinking about it is like, you know, if there is legal liability there as long as I can say I didn't intend to do it, I wasn't, I wasn't criminal in my actions, you know, uh, then, then somehow that's okay. Well, but this is my question for you. Do you think the strategy is to just be open and like, I would never, I would never hide if it were a real crime, I wouldn't hide myself from this. Or is the strategy to give more ammunition to the other side because the fight is the thing that extends the grift. Well, I think it's. I think that's a big part. I think that he is always thinking about things in terms of PR. It is about what makes me look good. What gets me the most eyeballs looking at me? That's yep. how he thinks about things, and so all of that is about, you know, setting up that narrative of like I'm being, you know, it's a witch hunt. It's all, you know, it's all BS. Um, everything I did is perfectly legal. Like, it's all about just setting up that image of who he is and, and pushing a narrative. Whether it's true or not does not matter to him. And, exactly. and honestly, I mean, this, this, is, this is fascism 101, is just put so many lies out into the world that, like, the truth just, gets, you, it just becomes a blur. If nothing is true, then anything can be true. Yep. And I think that's the point, right? The yep. point is to, you might as well lie. You might as well fight against people because then you can say you're fighting. Um, well, and say we're not really sure what's true, right? Yeah. Uh, uh, and uh, 
Ron DeSantis is not going to be the nominee. Jesus. <laughs> I mean, like I, if he's smart, he's just going to just not run because he hasn't officially declared yet at this no, point. So everybody hates just Ron not. DeSantis. Ron DeSantis is putting on a masterclass of pissing everybody off. Yeah. I mean, I mean, look, I hate that guy anyway. Um, I, I, I'm, me and my family are not going anywhere near Florida for many, 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 many yes. reasons. I, I, yes. I, I, I can't even count the ways. Um, but also, he's just terrible at politics as well. And uh, he thinks he's good, which is the funny part. But not funny because him thinking he's good is just extending cruelty to... Yeah. Well, and, and, and largely he's riding a, a wave in Florida of, like, Florida used to be a purple state, but it has distinctly shifted conservative, uh, and he's taking, he's benefiting from that, you know, but it yeah. isn't like he, like, took a purple state and made it red. Like, that's just happening independent of him. I, I think I think that's right, and I, I think that, you know, if, if we go back and look at the numbers from the shift in electoral politics in Florida, a lot of that is uh, uh, the Latin community, like like Miami. Like when, when Hillary Clinton lost Miami, like, yeah. oh, my God. Um, but there's been, a, there's been a bit of a backlash now. So, say, uh, after, you know, some recently passed laws in Florida... There are uh, there are folks who will no longer drive their trucks into Florida. Yeah. And so goods are not being picked up. And that's going to continue to be a problem. And sort of the conservative Spanish language media has now turned against Ron DeSantis, which is a big deal. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. After talking about the former guy in Ron DeSantis, I need to talk about beer oh, here at God, Old yes. Irving Brewery. Uh, what you couldn't see was the straws. I just got some straws and put them into my beer to, to drink. So it's uh, like it's like the big straw, like for like the the boba kind oh, of yeah, like, yeah, like, yeah. like like no. just. We're not messing around here, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. Here at Draft Politics, we care about two things, and they're both beer, right? So. <laughs> Uh, so IPAs and things that I, are not IPAs. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> when I got here, you had something in a, a nice-looking snickery yes. glass. What, what was, was your... that? It was a, a Gosa. It was uh, the Gouros, a Frutigosa uh, collaboration with Steingold's. It's a kettle soured ale brewed with kosher salt, pomegranate, mint, and lime, and hopped with Hollerta Blanc collab. The yeah. yeah, so and how it was, was delicious. That? It was delicious, is what it was. It was a little, a little like it had a lot of sweet sour going on, and yeah. I kind of want to clean cleanse my palate a bit, so I went with their Kolsch after that. And it's uh, that's the Della, Kolsch. right? Yeah, the Della. Yeah, that's and a it, really nice Kolsch. Yeah, and I like the glass that came in. It's one of those very tall Pilsner style glasses, and it's it's lovely. Yeah, that's really good. And I, you know. It's funny when I'm here. I often uh, I think about some of their other beers, and then I sort of sink back into the ones that I like so much. Um, so right now I've got I've got a Beezer, which is their kind of flagship hazy IPA, and it's 
It's a classic. It's just great. It's just a great hazy IPA. Um, I I have had recently their Shower Thoughts, which is a double, um, rolling in at like 8.5%, and it's also just on point. Um, I, I can't speak highly enough about you know, their Burger of the Week. They do that very well here. The atmosphere is always good. They've got a big open space. You can see the tanks in the back. Um, and they're just good people here at, at Old Irving. And yeah. they help you forget about people like Ron. I had almost forgotten about him, and then you mentioned his name. Just, just <sighs> Sorry. Let's go international. Sure. Why not? Why not? Uh, two things internationally. Um, uh, the first thing is not on our list. Turkey. Oh, Yes. Turkey. Elections yes. going on right now. Yes, big election going on there, or has gone on there. Uh, Erdogan is uh, going to be facing a runoff. <laughs> He's facing a runoff. This so, feels like Chicago politics. Know, so that's a, that's a big deal. Um, you know, I the, the turn that Turkey has taken since he's been there has been pretty bad. And, uh, you know, hopefully uh, the opposition parties, uh, everybody gets, in, gets aligned and is manages to uh, move on from him. Yeah, we'll see. It's it's interesting. I actually think one of the bigger things that could come out of this is that he could have pressure in the very immediate term to support NATO expansion because it's popular in Turkey. Yeah. And, you know, we're at this point now. It was kind of surprising. They didn't think that he was going to get... They thought that he could have lost in the general uh, or before the runoff. Um, and his chances probably get a little better in the runoff, um, but still nothing certain here. So the the idea that a very popular thing like the uh, expansion of NATO could s- be swung during this is a real thing. Um, Erdogan is not a, a great person by any stretch of the imagination. Um, you know, he's very, very shrewd. Uh, and will do whatever he can to stay in power, and that yeah. may be a benefit soonish. Yeah, uh, and I, I appreciate that their uh, political system is much more efficient than ours on this sort of thing. Uh, so the outcome of the vote set the stage for a two-week battle between Mr. Erdogan and Kamal Kilikdarog. Yeah, you can't read those in real time, man. you got to practice those ahead of time. <laughs> Uh, it's a it's a delightful Turkish name. Let's put it this way. Uh, but the opposition leader, um, so yeah, they have a May twenty eighth runoff. So that's that's pretty much back to back. Which, as somebody who has recently worked on elections, that sounds exhausting to me. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I I honestly I would love to see how these elections work in other countries where, frankly, they're a mess here. Like I can't imagine, yeah, other places. But but it's uh, a close. It's gonna be close. Like. The Erdogan got forty nine point four percent of the vote, and uh, kill uh, Mr. K, Mr. K, I there got it. Forty four point eight percent of the vote. So, if all of the, if all of it is opposition to Erdogan, that looks sets up pretty good. Uh, but uh, you know, we'll see. We will see. Um, Ukraine. Uh, so yes, a couple big things here, and I. Um, I bring this up for a couple of reasons, but, you know, I think right now when we think about what's happening in Ukraine, it's it's essentially a stalemate, right? Like, there's 
you know, some some wins and losses on both sides, yeah. but no huge jumps. And and while we're in a stalemate, it becomes a political kind of situation. Um, and May 9th is a big deal in Russia. So this is typically the the day they celebrate victory over the Nazis. Huge parades. It's it's supposed to be a very big thing. Um, in Moscow this year, the victory parade had one tank. And it was like a 1940s era T-40 Well, but it's symbolic. It's representing the tanks of that era that beat the Nazis. One the, tank. The, one tank. One tank. Oh. One tank. One tank. And Belarusian President Lukashenko was there looking a little rough. And he hasn't been seen since. Okay. At the same time, you've got the Wagner Group, the sort of military commander of the Wagner Group, not the person who nominally owns the Wagner Group, who is a caterer. Right. That's, I'm not making that one up. He's a caterer. I mean, it's all kind of a logistics delivery kind oh, of sure. job. I mean, it all, sure. it all makes but sense. But the military commander has said they'll just leave if they don't get more ammunition. They yeah. feel like they've been left out to dry. Yes. Thing, they've, he said things are much worse than you're, you're hearing. Well, and apparently, like, they offered up Russian positions in Kiev to try to get uh, the Ukrainians to withdraw from Bakhmut. Yeah. Like, I don't, I mean, well, you know, this is, this is why mercenaries are a little funny that way. Like, you know, <laughs> you know. Yeah, you, you think you would have learned from the Romans, but alas, you did not. But so. alas, you did not. And again, they're still filling their ranks with prison, <laughs> with the prison population. Yeah. I mean, and, and basically what this is, you know, there was an initial like, well, Russia can overwhelm them with just because their military is so big and they have so many great weapons and whatever. And it turned out, well, most of that was a lie. And like, okay. And then <laughs> now it's just really a matter of, you know, Russia has more people. Like, I mean, it's just like, on some level, they, they could win this through just pure attrition of just more people dying on one side than another, you know, per, per capita, I guess. Yeah. But um, but right now, yeah, it's it seems to be pretty much a grinding uh, war of attrition. And, you know, Ukraine has currently seems to be in a position to gain. Uh, inevitably, that will shift back again, depending on the time of year and what's going on. But, you know. Well, but, you know, the Ukrainians have a weapons pipeline that lasts through the end of the year that includes Abrams tanks and Leopard tanks yeah, so from and Germany. Germans have just announced a big uh, additional amount yeah. of money. Um, they got cruise missiles from England. And I am blanking on the name of those cruise missiles, but it was maybe the scariest name that the that the English have ne- ever come up with something. Um, so they've got new cruise missiles. They've got the Patriot missiles in there that recently shot down a hypersonic Russian cruise missile. You know, so this is all about creating that strength of hand for the Ukrainians to be able to force political or other outcomes, right? So. You know, there will be a counteroffensive. Who knows how big it'll be? The Russians are overextended. Yeah. They don't have regular troops it's across just, all of it's that. It's just really hard to see what the end state of all of this is. Because yeah. ultimately, the Ukrainians can't trust Russia to be like, oh, we're, or, you know, like, like they can't just cede some territory to Russia and be like, 
we cool. The rest of me like we cool, and then it's fine. Like we we know that they can't be trusted that way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's, you know, so it's like they kind of have to push Russia out of the whole thing. Storm Shadow is the name of the British cruise missile. So not Snake Eyes. They went with Storm Shadow because Storm Cobra. Shadow. Okay, got it. Hey man, it's better than Spear Three, their other one. But <laughs> I would have gone with Zartan myself if we're going GI Joe code names. But you know, hey, whatever. Anyway, Destro. Oh De- my God, Destro. Destro! That'd be even better. That would be a great. That'd be a good. When I get in the weapons business, I'm going to totally sell a Destro. Just going to go all the GI. Which I Joe believe names. Destro was an arms dealer, if I'm not mistaken. But before he got into the. Into the, you know, whatever Cobra was. Right. I don't remember what right. Cobra was. Right. The Serpentor was. thing, that, that was all stupid. That but really was But the Weather Dominator, totally, like, I, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not unconvinced that that's what's going on with climate change, is the Weather Dominator has gone awry. Uh, you know, <laughs> if you're enjoying this, you should also join us for our other podcast. Our, our Hasbro toy podcast. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Sponsored by Hasbro, Hasbro, Hasbro. <laughs> exactly. I, I was going to say our... Our podcast where we talk about Cold Slither, the metal band formed by Cobra. <laughs> there you go. The Cold, oh, Cold yeah. Slither uh, Appreciation Podcast. It's it's very short. Uh, but let's switch gears. Let's switch gears back to Inauguration Day. Yes. Because today, in Chicago, we got a new city council. And we got a new mayor. Yes. I, when we did this last one. I was at the inauguration for Lori Lightfoot. We did a podcast the next day. Today is inauguration day. Brandon Johnson is Chicago's new mayor. Um, and we talked about this on, on the last podcast. Like Chicago could have regressed to the mean. Yep. Uh, we could have gone back to old white guy. Uh, we did not. We voted in Brandon Johnson by a reasonable margin, right? Yeah. And his, I, I've been reading a lot today, and I watched his, his inauguration address, essentially, and compared it to the text from Lori Lightfoot. Uh, Lori Lightfoot's was combative. It was somewhat defiant. Um, it reflected an attitude that was similar to previous mayors. Um, Brandon Johnson's was hopeful. It was collaborative. Uh, He talked a lot about humility. He talked about, you know, wanting to work together with the city council. He talked about it wanting to be, uh, you know, a way that we bring everybody together, uh, finding common ground. Uh, He acknowledged Mayor Lightfoot. Um, It was... It was a really, I would say, upbeat uh, message. He talked about the soul of Chicago and what that's going to be. Um, it was a great speech. And we welcome 13 freshmen. 13 of the 50 older persons are in their first term. Um, we already know that the committee assignments are going to be far different than they were before. Um, it is going to be a new city. Yeah. Uh, the way that things get passed, 
how things move, uh, they're going to they're going to change. I think dramatically. Yeah. Well, and I think like what I really am appreciating about um, Brandon, even before he's became mayor here, like you know, won his election, but like he was already starting to like redirect the support that he had to other progressive candidates and mm-hmm. like part of that broader network. He sent out a fundraiser email for um, Helen Jim, who's running for mayor of Philadelphia. Um, she's on the uh, Philadelphia City Council and been a big progressive there. Um, so I'm really kind of happy to see him doing that. And like, I think it gets to what you were saying about like wanting to be collaborative. And, and, and I have to say, I keep feeling like the we were given a choice of the police versus the teachers. And, yeah. and I feel like this is what the teachers is like much more about including people and communicating and all yeah. that instead of, you know, and, and fundamentally, I think that was the thing that a lot of us missed about Lightfoot is, as someone warned us, she's a cop. And well, no, but I think, you know, we talked before about Ron DeSantis pissing everybody off. Like, I got to say, Lightfoot did a good job of alienating everybody. Oh, she everybody. alienated everybody, yeah. Um, she, she was, yeah. She, you know, she would have been in a much better political situation. She just picked this a particular Pick constituency a to piss off, and yeah. she decided Instead to of take on all comers. So I, I will say a couple things uh, about that speech, I, speech or and the whole ceremony. Um, Alderman Garnier got booed. <laughs> so as well he should. As well he should. As well he should. So. It'll be really interesting in the next, you know, few weeks how the committees settle out and and do things actually change. Um, well, you know, so. and I think what what made me feel good about this, beyond I feel like you know, I, I like Johnson. I think he's got a good mentality about all this. Is like that we went from Lightfoot to Johnson suggests that even if Johnson does not go the way we want him to go and it doesn't pan out, yeah, come four years from now we can try it again until we get the right. Person yes. for the job, and I and think instead that of it important. being like we're on the verge of falling into the abyss, you know, and that's like that's what I feel like with our national politics right now is it's like <laughs> you know we're seventy thousand votes short of the apocalypse, depending on how everything balances out. Somebody said this, uh, and I should remember who it was, but he said it's scary to me to think that our entire national election. It's going to be decided by fewer people than go to a college football game. True. True. And that's how we leave you with existential dread <laughs> instead of going back and watching videos from Cold Slither. That's right. Cold Slither, you'll be joining us soon. A band of vipers playing our tune. And on that note, everybody, <laughs> thank you for note. joining us. Stay safe. Take care, everybody. Be good. Cold Slither, you'll be joining us soon. A band of my men.